Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Let's face it, what goes on in the international politics, the national security front, all of this is our business. And I'm really de- delighted to have uh, on the program today uh, retired United States Marine Corps Colonel Eric Gurr with us. He's the author of a fascinating book, and he's a highly decorated combat uh, helicopter pilot. Um, he has been a professor of national security at the National War College, and his book is called The Ghost of Baghdad, and I'm sure that even brings a lot of pr- uh, perspective to our topic today, uh, the incredible uh, situation that's gone on with Hamas. Colonel, welcome to the program. Real quickly, a little bit about your book, and also go ahead and mention uh, the best website for people to learn more about you and your work. Uh, good morning. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Ghosts of Baghdad is uh, is a memoir. It, it's you know it's 20 years ago, but it feels like it was literally yesterday. And uh, it's it's a story about a lot of great Americans, uh, and it's a story about all of us in, in a lot of ways. And I was just lucky enough to to capture it. You see the world through my lens. You step into an attack helicopter from the opening nights crossing the border in 2003. Uh, through some of the most harrowing events uh, of the first stages of the war in Iraq, and so it was, uh, you know, selfishly I had a chance to interview a lot of great old friends and and, uh, and meet a lot of new ones, and so uh, really excited about it. The book's been very well received, and, uh, and it's, it's great to have so much support. You can get it anywhere. You can get it. Uh, go to certainly um, Barnes and Noble. Uh, any place you buy your books, certainly Amazon has it. It's available in Kindle, Audible hardcover, and my publisher always appreciates a, a shout-out, Ballast Books, uh, and uh, happy to happy to serve. And did you have a website that talks about your work in general, or do you just want people to check out the book? Well, absolutely. Uh, EricBuer.com, E-R-I-C-B-U-E-R.com is a, my website. Um, you can go on there and, uh, and take a look about uh, who we've been talking to, what we've been talking about, uh, and a lot of the same things you and I are going to discuss this morning. Yeah, why don't you set the stage for us? To, you know, this is astonishing what is uh, unfolded in uh, the Middle East, yet somehow not at all surprising, right? When you look at the history of Hamas, you look at the history of uh, the a- animosity uh, that that's existed, you look at the history of groups like Hezbollah and Hamas that uh, are have never had a reasonable position when it comes to having to deal with reality and its neighbors. Uh, it's really been bizarre to watch. And now what we've seen is almost almost like sci-fi in proportion of uh, what Hamas has done and what has unfolded. And even more so, much of the national and international response lining up behind Hamas apologists. I mean, it just blows my mind. You know, it really is, uh, it's so frustrating in so many ways because clearly people are not educated or they're not taking the time to even do a cursory review of history. And if they had, and they had uh, just even begin to understand the complexities of it, they would realize, you know, how in the wrong Hamas is, how in the wrong side of history they're seeing this. Uh, You know, Hamas... You know, clearly been supported by the Iranians. The Iranians are the real, the real punks in this. Um, they, they certainly supported Hamas. They certainly supported Hezbollah. All the funding, most of Hamas, uh, October seventh 
Um, the terrorists who came over the border were trained by the Iranians, Iranian equipment, Iranian fingerprints all over it. Um, yeah, but, but to see an American, uh, you know, American campuses and in, in their rhetoric, um, you can be anti, uh, if they want to be anti-Israeli, I, I, would, I would question them uh, just on some fundamentals, but to be pro-Hamas and pro-Palestine um, is, is really unbelievable. Now, we certainly are empathetic to any people's suffering, that's, that goes without saying, um, but Hamas, I mean, it's their charter, it's in their charter is the destruction you know, of the Israeli people and of Israel and the, and the reclamation of all those lands. So it's, it's frustrating, uh, and, uh, and you wish, particularly on, on U.S. college campuses uh, and other places, that people would have um, a sense of history and a sense of respect for history uh, so they could be informed on, on the real issues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right from the very beginning, when Israel was created, was it 1948, right, or 49, right from the very beginning, the original plan was to give the Palestinians its own state. They are the ones who said no to a Palestinian state. We wanted all or nothing. And that kind of displacement, that kind of making of accommodations of peoples, that kind of thing isn't new. They looked at it as purely as imperialistic. Uh, but when you look at what Israel had gone through historically, really since AD 70 with the fall of Jerusalem, you know, uh, literally centuries without a, their own home, and you look at their historic home, there was a way of being accommodated. Um, uh, the, the, these organizations, the Palestinian organizations, largely driven by terrorist organizations, have never had a sense of compromise that's been expected throughout the history of, of, of mankind. It's really quite bizarre, and not even in their own self-interest. It is a bizarre is a really interesting, uh, you know, way of, of classifying their, their their thought process, and you know, Israel's not going to go anywhere. They're not. They're not leaving. You're, you're absolutely right. Since 1948, uh, they've had multiple incursions, you know, multiple wars fought against them, multiple wars of annihilation uh, attempted by their by their neighbors. Um, but one thing, you know, if, if I were, I, I mentioned, if I were a, an Iranian, if I were an Iranian military planner, what would keep me up at night is, you know, is one is one evening or one morning, you know, hearing the sounds of uh, F-16s or F-15s overhead. Uh, striking key Iranian uh, positions. I'm, I'm certainly not advocating for that, but the, uh, the Israelis are exceptionally well-trained, uh, they're exceptionally well-equipped, uh, and they're exceptionally motivated right now. Uh, their, their backs are at the wall, and everyone, not everyone, I think you see in, in most mainstream media, there is a bend uh, that the Israelis have taken things too far in their own defense, which is, again, uh, pretty amazing uh, to hear it you know, spoken. Yeah, the only ones who are writing that obviously aren't living it, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. Uh, if, they had, if they had undergone what these people had experienced, uh, you know, in Israel, uh, I think they had uh, would have a completely different perspective. I, I don't even want to verbally say. Just verbalizing what they did to infants and to women and, and, and to men, just to verbalize it is uh, triggering uh, from a mental health perspective, and people aren't looking at this, and they're and they and they don't have they don't seem to have a lot of clarity uh, between the history of uh, you know the you know when they talk about 
defending Hamas, they act as though they are talking about defending the Palestinians. The the Palestinians are victims of Hamas as well. Now, I think they should have been and and have worked to be more proactive to deal with that problem. Um, I think they would have got a lot of support from their neighbors and certainly the United States if they had tried to deal with them in a more direct way. Um, But nonetheless, you know, if you want to help the Palestinians get Hamas out of Gaza, I agree, and the numbers vary on their level of um, acceptance by the Palestinians. I think it was over, I've read over 50%, and I've seen other numbers as high as 75% of the Palestinians support Hamas, and again, there's always, always a, lot of, uh, a lot of room, wiggle room in, in surveys. But the fundamental issue is Hamas has been given billions of dollars, uh, and they knew exactly what they were doing. They were, they were counting on the CNN effect of showing, you know, poor Palestinians being slaughtered. You know, all these things they wanted to um, be able to tell the world that the Israelis were doing to them um, post-October 7th. But what's clear is the billions of dollars they've been given haven't been used to build infrastructure. There was no plan to support the Palestinian people. There's really no power grids, infrastructure. You know, where was the the basic services for the people uh, of Gaza that they could anticipate you, know, you could anticipate the reaction of the Israelis to a certain point. Um, even their own neighbors, they have the relationship with, you know, with the, the southern gate into Egypt where they, they coordinated nothing to support their own people. And that is, uh, it goes to your point, uh, the Palestinian people are victims of Hamas. Absolutely. Yeah, and so they may not like the way the extraction is happening, but, uh, but that's an underlying desire for virtually every Palestinian is for them to go and to develop a new way of protecting and taking care of themselves. And, and that's not being covered. That's not, that's not uh, you know, being discussed. And, uh, of course, there's this poor, agenda-driven, really woke journalism. A lot of this is, is a very woke perspective um, that uh, I, I had Rabbi Wolpe on the program who recently uh, resigned. You probably saw the story in the New York Times and elsewhere from the anti-Semitism committee at Harvard University where he teaches. And he goes, you know, we have in this culture, uh, you know, uh, this really binary view, people are aggressors or they are victims. And unfortunately for Israel, a country, I mean, a, a, a nation without a country from A.D. 70 to 1948 wandering throughout the world in a dispersion that finally got a home, uh, is, and has got to be the most depressed ethnic group, and that's saying a lot. And and that's not to discard what's happened to other groups throughout history. They have to be the most depressed throughout human history to be treated treated as if they were the aggressors. Um, and then when you look, as you mentioned, the the statements, the history, the documents founding groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, and treat them like they're the victims. We live in a very very warped world, Colonel. That part is, you know, that that part is certainly uh, is certainly disturbing. And as we look at the actions of even our own administration. Um, you know, they're trying to please virtually everyone. Um, I, I talk about these uh, these social and political minorities that that are saying some very you know, outrageous, hateful things, and in our administration refuses to condemn it. Uh, and they continue to try to walk this line of, oh, uh, well, you know, we, it's almost a humanitarian line. 
instead of being decisive and saying, no, th this is right. You know, the Israelis clearly have a right to self-defense, and the rest of this war and how they wage it is really up to the Israelis. And the position that Hamas took, you know, very much the aggressor position. And so, it, for me, we see that uh, manifesting itself diplomatically um, because it's emboldened our enemies, and our allies are openly apathetic, uh, and I suspect privately very disrespectful of of our of how we execute foreign policy. So, it, it, you know, if Israel can't depend on our, our support, our outright support, um, you know, I, I think once this is over, which it's going to be over in a relatively near future, uh, I, I suspect the Israelis have to look at what the relationship is with the U.S. in the future. Uh, because if you can't yeah. count on an ally, there's no, you know, like, is it another Afghanistan moment uh, where we just say, hey, sorry, we, we can't support you. It's outrageous. You see, you see it in the Ukraine right now where you know, these are critical, critical decisions the administration's failing to make. Yeah, well, let's look at the history of the U.S. involvement in other countries. Ask the Kurds if the United States are reliable allies. Ask them. Uh, you know, and that Kurds are just one of many examples, and now Israel. And so uh, it's, it's, this is the history of U.S. foreign policy, really particularly for at least 70 years, maybe longer. And uh, I, I find it embarrassing, frankly. And uh, I'm, I, I, for one, pray for, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you know, even as the scripture encouraged people to do, I pray for it. And I sure wish we'd be on the right side. I think you kind of uh, nailed uh, the problem Biden has. He's just trying to accommodate everybody, and all the people involved seems to despise him, right? That uh, he, he has lost a ton of Palestinian vote, uh, which is significant in places like Michigan, for example. And uh, he's lost a ton of uh, Israeli, uh, you know, citizens' vote, uh, which financially is could be devastating for the uh, Democratic Party. And so this guy just kind of, you know, his, his approach to policy is almost a metaphor to his physical state, kind of just meandering. It is, and it's, uh, you know, it, he's going to find it's going to bite him uh, tremendously. I know there's this focus on the, on the next uh, election cycle, which is driving all their, these both domestic and their foreign policy decisions. And I think people are beginning to read through it. I mean, certainly um, from an Israeli perspective or from a Jewish American perspective, how they look at it, you can see what's happening at UPenn and Harvard. And I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars being taken away. And a lot of that money would eventually, in different forms, flow in the Democratic Party, which has been a traditional you know, supporting side of it. Um, I think they're going to find that, you know, you have to be decisive, and this is a time where you expect leaders to lead. Uh, and if you're just floundering, um, it's it's you know it's it's disrespectful, it's 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 unnerving, and it's it's not confidence building, uh, particularly as you know a president making these decisions and statements. Yeah, well, time is running out. Time always goes fast when I'm involved in a very interesting conversation, and that has certainly been the case here. Colonel, appreciate your time. Other things I would have liked to talk to, but, you know, again, uh, uh, my fault. I got kind of caught up in something I think very, very philosophical uh, that needed to be addressed. Uh, but, you know, I think about the timing of this event, uh, you know, of this attack in, in October, lying nicely with the United States having a 
crisis in Congress and no real leadership. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that Iran's hands are all over this. You and I both know Moscow's hands are all over this as well. Uh, you know, it, it is, it is you know, uh, really a, a proxy, it being Iran is a proxy of Russia in this, just like uh, Hamas is a proxy of Iran. And so this was a, a policy of distraction to get them off of Ukraine. You know, and meanwhile, as we talk, uh, we have Venezuela uh, making overtures towards taking over parts of Guyana. And, you know, you look at this, and this is an overextended, in the, really lacking focus uh, administration that begs for more of this kind of attention. He's going to get us into a draft situation. He, Biden, if this kind of thing continues. And so uh, we'll have a lot more. We could talk for hours, Colonel, but we only we ran out of time. I really enjoyed it, though. Thanks so much for being with me. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime, and, uh, and, uh, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Uh, retired Marine Colonel Eric Boer, and <laughs> I'm going to have fun with your name. But we're going to get it, and I'm going to get you back on the show sometime. I, I, I found this uh, very valuable. I appreciate it. This is the nationally syndicated price of business. Stay tuned for more after this.